Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Stay Healthy Spokane podcast, aimed at helping you live an active, healthy, and enjoyable life in and around Spokane, Washington. Brought to you by Gordon Physical Therapy. And now, here's your host, Dr. Luke Gordon. Hey, everybody. This is Luke Gordon. Thank you for joining me on the the most recent episode of the Stay Healthy Spokane podcast. And today I'm back with a guest interview. So if you were growing tired of the last two episodes where it was just me talking, this should be a little more fun and lively. Um, And I have my good friend, Dr. Rache Bell, who is a chiropractor on the South Hill of Spokane. And it should be an interesting topic today because uh, Rache specializes in upper cervical chiropractic care, which I'll let her explain in more detail during the show. But essentially, this is something that a lot of people don't know about um, in terms of the precision and exactly what they do. And so we're going to talk about some specific things in terms of their techniques and their training and and um, how it differs from just conventional chiropractic. And then also um, give you some idea of, of how they use it to treat various things like headaches and some other of the more complex things that they're typically being referred to um, when other types of treatments have failed. So um, we will get going here in just a moment, and then we'll, we'll start with the intro, like I said, and then uh, Rache will give us some, some tips, and towards the end, we'll give you some advice on terms of how to take care of your neck and, and maybe avoid some of these things. So uh, Rache, thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm sure the listeners are too. Like I said, I've been monologuing them the last two episodes, so... <laughs> That can, that can get a little repetitive, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You're pretty lively, so I I, I'm sure you're entertaining. Yeah, you know, I try to keep it fresh, but that's debatable. Um, awesome. Well, again, thanks for joining me. Uh, if you don't mind, just give us a little bit of a background about who you are, where you're from, and kind of how you got into this field. So I'm Rache Bell. Typically, people call me Dr. Bell because it's easier than Rache. I know. I shouldn't be so uh, informal. No, on the podcast, it's fine. Sorry. You actually can say my name. And, <laughs> and like you said, we're good friends. So it's it's I'm totally fine with being called Rache. Most people have slip ups with my first name. So Dr. Bell is a little easier. But I grew up in Davenport, Washington, just west of here, west of Spokane, about 45 minutes in small, small town. And then uh grew up, you know, doing all the sports and activities. I drove combine and tractor and um, was involved in everything because in a small town, everybody has to do everything in order for different programs to go. So science club, swing choir, jazz choir, um, all of the fun business activities. And so it was a wonderful, well-rounded way to grow up. And I, I couldn't be more grateful for my experience in Davenport and the education and everything. Now, being in sports, I had an injury, one of my only injuries, which was wonderful, uh, as a freshman, and I injured my ankle. And the doc said, well, it looks like you're going to be probably at least six months before you can get back. And I said, playoffs are in three weeks. Six months isn't going to cut it. (laughs) So I uh, went to a specialist. My parents brought me up to Spokane to a specialist and he was able to get me back in three weeks. And that's when really the light bulb hit for me of I want to be able to help people get back to doing the things that they love. And if I can do that faster, you know, the faster, the better. So my why really stemmed from that injury of I am passionate about helping people get better faster and stay better longer, doing the things that they love in life. So I went to school thinking I was going to go med school, specialize in sports medicine. Once I when I was in undergrad at the University of Redlands in Southern California, I was doing observational rotations in orthopedic surgery and emergency room and just trying to learn everything I could. So how I got into chiropractic 
is a friend told me I'd be a good chiropractor. And I laughed at her because I was in pre-med studies, scientific double-blind studies, research-based. I mean, this was scientific method and chiropractic to me didn't fit that bill. You know, woo, chiropractic. I was I was very skeptical of the science behind it. And so um, I was he- still, you know, continuing to plow through, headed to med school. And she just kept on me because I wasn't really finding a fire and a passion in any of the classes I was taking for a specialty um, within medicine. And so finally she looked at me one day and she's like, come on, Rache, when is the last time you even went to the doctor? Like, when do you even, she's like, you avoid those things like the plague. And I was like, you're right. What makes me think that I want to work in a place that I never want to go? Cause that means something's wrong, you know? <laughs> and she goes, you live your life so much more holistically. I, you know, I played volleyball and basketball in college and we'd have three days and there were times we could not move. I mean, I would avoid stairs and take the ramps, the wheelchair ramps, because my legs hurt so bad. (laughs) And she'd be like, just take an Advil or an ibuprofen. I'm like, no, my body's going to heal. I'm going to work through it. Just let my body do its thing, you know? And I'd get sick and I'd be eating garlic and bone broth and all of these things. She's like, just take a NyQuil. You'll sleep better, you know? And I knew my body had the ability to heal itself. And she said, a chiropractic lifestyle lives the lifestyle that you leave. It's so much more congruent. And the reason she knew this is because she worked at a chiropractic office during the summers. So she would go home to Boise, work in the chiropractic office and come back to school. So my wheels are turning and she finally convinced me to visit the office. And that's when I had another aha moment, because again, being a skeptic of chiropractic, I thought it was very limited to neck and back pain. And I didn't want to live in a ache and pain world. And she got me to go. And it was two young guys who had just opened practice and they had a testimonial book laying in their waiting room. And I was reading through these testimonials and there literally was not a single neck and back pain testimonial. It started with improvements with multiple sclerosis, acid reflux or GERD. One of the stories was a young girl who really was was down the wrong path and not going to live much longer in her mind because she was ready to go take herself. And she ended up getting under chiropractic care. And now she's vibrant and full of life and couldn't be more thankful because it truly saved her life. So those things, again, my wheels started turning. Maybe chiropractic is different than I thought it was. Again, maybe I need to learn more about this. Maybe it is a better fit for me. So I ended up applying, getting accepted, and at this point still never had an adjustment, never been to a chiropractor. I just went based on the idea of my friend being on me, (laughs) the lifestyle and the body's ability to heal itself, and that's what drives me. That's awesome. Quite a story. Yeah. Thank goodness you had that friend, huh? No kidding. The people you meet in life definitely change your path, and that was one that was a, a very big path changer. Yeah. So. Yeah, I often think back at that similar point in my life. And I mean, I became a PT because my dad was a PT. So just kind of by default, I knew about it. But like you, I was like, well, I'll just go the pre-med route because that's what you do, I guess, when you're good at math and science. And you're like, well, I want to be in the health field and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I guess if we had become doctors maybe we could have been like a, you know, more of the natural route, but sometimes like, man, it's, it's good. I didn't go that route. Or, um, my, one of my college roommates is a pharmacist. And it's like, well, I could have easily become a pharmacist just because 
it's a good paying job, right? And that's what you do in college. You get a degree, so you get a good paying job. And you know, usually pharmacists actually make quite a bit more money than you and I would make, especially out of school. And I, and I have like, wow, that's really good that I didn't become a pharmacist because I mean, I would be living in a job now if I had taken the same path that I just wouldn't really have had any passion for. I mean, the average person coming to see me, I'd be like, well, hey, here's your prescribed medication. Um, it'd be great if you didn't have to take it. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, are, <laughs> totally. are you willing to look into this? And I mean, yeah, I mean, not that we couldn't change careers, but to have invested so much time and money. So hopefully that friend gets a Christmas card from you every year. Right. We do stay in touch. Something like that. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. Um, so you mentioned the not having adjustment. You've had an adjustment now, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I've been under care now since I started chiropractic school. Very good. So now you're a believer, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, like you said, uh, the mentality of most chiropractors is a little more holistic than the average, let's say, medical doctor. But you also specialize. You're in, you're in a very specialized niche. How did you um, first come across the upper cervical niche, if you will, and um, what made you passionate about that? So the beauty of being a skeptic and never been adjusted and having the mindset to empower people for the best healing essentially is that I went into school with a relatively clean slate and a mindset of wanting to ask a lot of questions and learn everything that I knew where many of my colleagues in my class had like you, a family member who was a chiropractor, they practiced a certain way. They were already coming in with a predisposed idea of what chiropractic looked like and how they were going to do chiropractic. And I didn't have that. So for me, the biggest thing was just being a huge, huge sponge and open to all different techniques. The one reason I chose Life Chiropractic College West in San Francisco area was because they taught the most core technique classes. They had the most elective classes for all the different techniques. And that's one thing I had no idea chiropractic even had different techniques. And so I wanted to learn if I thought, well, if I'm going to go to school, I want to learn all the ones possible. You know, I want to have the best best understanding of of all types of chiropractic. So my um, idea going in, I was in sports, so I wanted to be a sports chiropractor. And I definitely treat a lot of people and work with a lot of clients who are very active in sports, hockey, I mean, football, soccer, all of these things, volleyball. But that's definitely not the route. I wouldn't call myself a sports chiropractor. Like you said, my specialty is the upper cervical spine. So it's more of a region in the spine rather than a demographic um, specialty-wise. So that point of being upper cervical specific, the interest in that is because from the very beginning, the philosophy class and the neurology and you're learning basic things, you learn about the importance of the nervous system. And that's really what chiropractic's foundation is on. And people think chiropractic, they think spine. But in school and what we're really doing is accessing the nervous system and the body's ability to heal through the spine. So from the very beginning, you learn about the brain and the brain stem and how that's the Houston Control Center. And then you go on to your pediatrics class and they say at birth, the most likely trauma possible is to the neck because 60 to 90 pounds of pressure can be placed on the neck of an infant during even a normal healthy delivery because doctors or any support staff may be pulling on the neck, rotating to get the shoulders through. I mean, 
shoulder dystocia, broken collarbones are relatively speaking pretty common, more common than I would hope. And that just means there's a trauma from the very beginning. So in pediatrics, they say always start with Atlas, always start with the very, very top, because from the beginning, that's going to be the most chance of misalignment or trauma or damage. And so through these classes, everything just kept pointing to the area closest to the brain and the brainstem, which is what we call upper cervical chiropractic. In the medical world, it's called the craniocervical junction. And so that region is occiput or the base of the head. It's the top neck bone, C1, also known as atlas. And then the second cervical bone, C2, known as axis. So that's what comprises of the upper cervical spine, and it's what we focus on in that area. And it's because, again, through school, it just deserves a special look. It is the weakest link in the spine. The The top neck bone has no facets, and facets are located in the rest of the spine. They're bony interlockings that hold the spine in place. The top neck bone doesn't have any facets above or below it, so there's no interlocking mechanism. Discs are between every vertebra. Those discs also help act like glue. The top neck bone does not have discs above or below it. So it's the most freely movable. It has no bony interlockings. Plus, it has a big old bowling ball of a head on top of this tiny, tiny little neck bone. It's the smallest bone in our spine. So biomechanically, it's the weakest link. It's the most vulnerable area of the spine. Plus, it's closest to the brain and the brainstem. And so if there's trauma or misalignment or stress in that area, it's not only going to create some pains, but it's going to affect our neurology and the communication between the brain and the body. So the other interesting thing is in physics, we know that force follows the path of least resistance. So in the spine or in the body in general, if you think of watching football, the camera zooms in on a crazy tackle and this guy gets slammed in the shoulder. They don't watch where the guy gets slammed. They zoom in on the neck. Why is that? Because they know that's a vulnerable area and it's going to cause concussion, whiplash. They watch his neck slam back and forth. Same thing happens when you slip and fall on the ice. Sure, we're worried about your rump and maybe, you know, you hurt your tailbone. But what we're more concerned is that you don't slam back and whack your head on the ice when you fall. So that's where force follows the path of least resistance. So really, to answer your question, long story roundabout way is that it's just deserves a special look. It's very unique area compared to the rest of the spine, neurologically, biomechanically, um, physiologically, you've got cerebral spinal fluid flow, blood flow. I mean, all of these things that can be affected by trauma or damage or misalignments of the upper cervical spine. And uh, everything in school just pointed that direction and, and it made sense to me. Yeah. That's very interesting because I think you point out some some facts that a lot of people don't know in terms of just what is going on up there with those top two vertebrae as they attach to your skull um, and how much goes on. And and we're going to get into some of the more, I think, like the less known things that you do. You mentioned cerebral spinal fluid flow and things like that, which I think we're going to have time to talk about today. But again, you also mentioned that I think a lot of us just think of a chiropractor as a back pain, neck pain thing, whereas any chiropractor that I've ever talked to is saying, well, look, you can actually have a positive effect on your entire nervous system simply because of how much activity is going on there at the base of your neck, you know, and depending on which chiropractor you talk to, you know, they want to adjust the whole spine to have a positive influence on the nervous system. But as you've pointed out, really, if there was one point that was probably the most um, susceptible to problems, it is at the very top. 
which is fascinating to me too. I think as a PT, a lot of times we look from the ground up. So mechanically speaking, you know, we deal with like things like knee pain, hip pain, back pain, and we tend to start with the bottom. You know, we say, well, let's look at your feet. Let's look at the way that your body interacts with the ground. Cause if there's a problem there, it's going to go up the chain. Uh, and that's usually where we start. And I guess that's just the way we think. Uh, but you're doing the exact opposite essentially and saying, well, Hey, actually it all starts in your brain and then it filters down from there. So is that, a, is that a fair way to look at it? Totally. And a lot of chiropractors are very similar. Biomechanically, you're looking at the foundation and then building up from that. That is true for the musculoskeletal system, not the nervous system, right? So the neurology, if you, if you on a severe case, break your neck at the very upper neck, you lose function all the way down to your big toe. Think of Christopher Reeves, severe accident, fall off a horse, break your neck. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't digest. He couldn't wiggle his big toe. He couldn't do anything, right? And on a very, very minor scale, it's the same way. If you have stress and tension at the very, very top, it can also affect all the way down to your big toe. So it does go both ways. Both aspects of looking at the body are important. Obviously, you help thousands of people by assessments that with that mindset. So what I tell people is that what I'm finding is that we refer to people when we're not getting the results that we usually see, right? It's like, man, normally I do this and the way I assess helps people 95% of the time. It's the complex cases that we don't know what to do with, you know? It's like, gosh, where do I send you? So when they land in my office, they've been to medical doctors, injections, neurosurgeons, neurologists, EENT specialists, physical therapists, massage, other chiropractors. I mean, and I'm sure you see that too, you know? They they land in our office because they're continually being their own best healthcare advocate trying to find something. And so when we find something up higher in the kinetic chain, that's when we know we might be able to help them. We can use a different approach. We're looking at the same complex human and person and and being and and trying to see it from a different perspective that might bring them to the next level of their health. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like you said, um, maybe the, the the difference between looking at someone from a musculoskeletal perspective, ground up, and a neurological perspective, you know, brain down. So. Right, because if you put a hammer on your big toe and you break your big toe, you still can digest, you still can, you know, swallow, you can still breathe, you can mm-hmm. still walk usually, you'll be in a lot of pain and breaking your big toe sucks. <laughs> yeah. But from a neurological perspective, it's not going to have the impact as an injury to the upper neck. Gotcha. I want to talk about the few of the, the specific things that you um, treat, especially those more complex ones. I think we could probably spend some time on headaches. I think, um, you know, if you're listening, you can you can pretty well assume that you see a lot of headaches, I'm sure. But uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about with you was the cerebral spinal f- flow and potentially just how that affects people, what the symptoms behind that would be. And then if you want to talk a little bit about how you, what kind of a technique you would use to have a, an influence on that, um, I think that would be interesting. Because again, I think most of us can kind of appreciate how a chiropractor in general is going to adjust the neck, you know, move the bones, you know, get some movement in the facet joints and things like that. So do you mind just talking about that issue a little bit, uh, the cerebral spinal fluid issue and how you might be able to improve that? Yes. Uh, This is one of the things I'm passionate about. Healthy cerebral spinal fluid flow is all about brain health and nervous system health. And again, that's not something that people typically think with chiropractic is that it's going to affect our brain health. But 
brain health impacts so many people and brain fog, mental anxiety, depression, dementia, any neurodegenerative disease um, is, is very, you know, frightening, scary. We're fearful that we, we don't want anything to happen to our brain, right? Alzheimer's, um, Lou Gehrig's or ALS, uh, multiple sclerosis, which is really prevalent in our area. And so cerebral spinal fluid flow is what bathes our nervous system and keeps it healthy. It's what provides all the nutrients because our brain, frankly, is a cell and it requires blood, oxygen and nutrients. And it also has waste. And so it has to get that waste out of its cell and out of the body. And if you think of cerebral spinal fluid flow, it's this fluid flow dynamic that bathes up into the brain, goes down into the spinal column, all the way down to the base of the sacrum or the tailbone area. And it goes all the way fluid flow dynamics up and down, bathing, providing nutrients for optimal nervous system function, health, cellular health. And then it decreases and takes away the waste so that the waste doesn't build up, which could cause problems. And so... If you potentially took that system and you put a kink like a kink in a hose, you are going to alter the fluid flow dynamics that can have detrimental effects. If you're trying to water a plant and you have a nice stream of water, it's going to be a healthy plant because it's getting the nutrients it needs, right? The water it needs. If you put a kink in that hose, what happens to the plant? The plant dies, right? It's not getting the nutrients that it, the, the water that it needs anymore. The same is true for our cells. If it's not getting the flow that it needs, or maybe it's getting too much flow, um, that's called increased intracranial pressure, then the fluid flow dynamics are off. If you have too much water flow on a plant, what do you do? You knock it out, you break the stem, you also kill it, right? So this fluid flow dynamic is really important. And the main reason that in the upper cervical spine this is critical is because your brain has cerebral spinal fluid flow. And it's kind of like a, you know, a balloon full of water and tissue, of course. And there's a very narrow canal called the foramen magnum at the base of the skull. That's the only area that fluid can come out of. And so if you have freely movable bone right at the base where that foramen magnum is, if that freely movable bone is out of sync or not in the same alignment and you don't have a, you know, a canal that's fluid and congruent and you have a kink in your hose necessarily because things are out of balance, then it's going to change the cerebral spinal fluid flow. And so who knows what neurological disorders that can cause. Um, I think it causes lots. I think it can contribute to all of the um, neurodegenerative disorders that I just mentioned previously, you know, like, like multiple sclerosis. There's usually in multiple sclerosis a history of a severe trauma on average 10 years prior to the onset of an actual MS diagnosis. So for many multiple sclerosis patients, they had a significant trauma like a car accident, a slip and fall. It doesn't mean you had to break a bone or it's a, tra- a trauma can be slip on the ice or you come up and bunk your head, you know, on a cupboard or something where it really rings your bell. It doesn't mean you landed in the ER room or the hospital necessarily, but usually there's a trauma and, you know, more studying and research needs to be done 
to know, but there is a doc doing pre and post MRI cerebral spinal fluid flow studies before and after an upper cervical correction. And preliminary studies are showing changes in the fluid flow dynamics of the cerebral spinal fluid flow. And it is incredible because chiropractors, as you mentioned, we talk all the time about how we can improve people's lives, but we can only see so much. If we're not testing it, then we don't know the mechanism behind what's happening. So when you can say this is a baseline cerebral spinal fluid flow in a patient, you get them adjusted, and then within hours you do another same scan and there's change, you know you're influencing the cerebral spinal fluid flow. And and that's amazing. That's empowering. And we've seen multiple sclerosis for, you know, 100 years get better, but we didn't have a mechanism or a way to measure that and see maybe how is it working? What's the mechanism behind it? So it's it's very, very cool. Yeah, and I think when you mentioned the the neurodegenerative diseases like multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, um, I think the average person, if you asked them, well, hey, have you thought about upper cervical chiropractic, they'd just look at you like you were crazy, right? Glaze over, like, yeah. Well, this is a this is a brain disease. Like we don't need to adjust my neck. Uh, but like you said, I mean, it's interesting because most of us, PTs included, we don't usually think about cerebral spinal fluid, which essentially is the fluid that our brain is floating in. Like you said, it's uh, the fluid is nutrient rich, so it's bathing our brain in the nutrients and the oxygen, and you know you want a steady flow because it communicates with your spinal cord. So yes, it's not something I think most people think about in terms of a treatment option for any of those things. So um, I could imagine that a lot of people are coming to you as like a last resort. Well, hey, might as well give this a shot because nothing else worked. And then you seem nice enough, right? And you've got patients online saying how good you are and you know someone told me about you kind of a thing. Definitely. One of the patients that comes to mind and it just breaks your heart, you know, when you see, especially kids that are, are not able to express life fully. And and I had a patient, thank heavens for her mom. She just was so adamant about continuing to search and search and search to help her little girl. And she comes in, she's about four, she's eight now and, and doing amazing. But she was having cyclic vomiting when she was born. She had hydrocephalus. So she had a shunt medically inserted into her brain to regulate her cerebral spinal fluid flow. And so they would basically the shunt would decrease or release the pressure on her brain so that she could function and and not die. Frankly, they saved her life with our current medical system, which is why we have modern medicine. I mean, they do incredible, incredible work. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else if I'm in a life or death situation. I want our doctors working on me, you know, but she still was vomiting multiple times a day and her mom brought her in and she just, her head hurt, you know, migraines. She couldn't see. She's at the age she's supposed to start going to school and she couldn't, you know, it just pretty heartbreaking. And we did an analysis. It was very hard to x-ray her just because of children, you know, and, and I explained the benefits and why it would be important. We typically try to um, reduce x-ray exposure and, and work with clients under 9, 10, 11, 12 without x-rays if possible, um, weighing the risks and the benefits. But in her case, she's so severe, the benefits of knowing exactly what's going on on the inside far outweighed any risk, potential risk. And she had had so much imaging that mom was like, 
you know, this is just a drop in a huge bucket of, of her medical intervention. So she was all on board. And, and I just said, I know I'll get you the best results if we take pictures. So we did. And she can go months now without vomiting. She, um, she's running and playing and outside. She couldn't go outside because the heat really affected her. And so she'd get a headache and um, she'd have to go inside. So she couldn't play with friends. I mean, and now she's she's a thriving little girl. She comes in, she colors, you know, pages and I love you, Dr. Bell, you know, and it's just that example of cerebral spinal fluid flow and the impact it can have on brain health and function. I mean, she had increased intracranial pressure that was causing vomiting and we were able to essentially unkink the hose that was creating this fluid flow, a portion at least of her fluid flow dynamic to some degree, it was affecting it. And that change diminished her cyclic vomiting. That's in, pretty that's, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So talk me through like a patient like her who comes in or, or even if it's an adult, kind of like an average patient who's having some of these neurological symptoms or just really bad headaches or brain fog. And, um, you, you know, you're thinking the culprit might be the impaired fluid flow. So talk me through when you're doing the exam. And I know you like to do x-rays to see where those top two vertebrae are. What does that look like? And what is like a common finding for someone, like if they come in and they say, well, and you want to give them an, an idea of if, it's, if they're going to benefit from your care, what are you typically looking for like on those x-rays? That'll be a good indicator of if there's a problem right there. So, so to start with just with upper cervical, we talked about kind of the biomechanics and the neurology, just to touch on the adjustment itself before I get to the symptom, because again, like you said, most people think of chiropractic, then, you know, 95% of chiropractic bending, twisting and popping, neck pain, back pain. In our office, the reason x-rays are important is because of all those things, the neurology, the biomechanics, it's just different. But when we make a correction, it's based on the x-rays and their specific joint angles. So some people's joint angles are steep, some are shallow, most are asymmetrical from side to side. So knowing exactly how those joint angles fit together allows the adjustment to be very specific. We don't do any bending, twisting, or popping. The spine stays completely neutral and it becomes more like an unlocking of a joint rather than forcing it into a new position. So for kids like her, she, you know, hardly felt a thing. Adults hardly feel a thing too. They're not scared of the adjustment. They're not scared of the sound. You know, they're happy and 100% willing to, to get an adjustment. And we walk them through what it looks like and sounds like and feels like, you know, so there's no surprises. It's not like, think, of, you know, try to relax. Think of the most comfortable beach laying, you know, in a relaxing position and then boom, you know, kind of try to catch you off guard. There's, there's none of that. So it's very different, very specific. We also have you rest post-adjustment. So our goal is to help you hold the correction and holding is healing. We know that if you keep coming back and you're back out of alignment and things are slipping back out, then we're not doing something appropriately or we need to incorporate something else or you're doing something outside of the office that's inhibiting your ability to hold. You get in your car and you tilt your head to the side and talk on the phone and put your you know, bag on your shoulder and you, you are compromising your alignment. So we teach you, we 
after the adjustment, we have you rest in a zero gravity position to help your body get used to the new position, make new neural connections so that you can hold and heal. And then we also give you tips on, on how, what things you can do, and we'll get to those. So, so that's the difference in conventional, like you said, conventional chiropractic versus what we do. Back to your question again, what was the specific question you had just yeah, I think you may have answered it. So again, when you're doing your x-ray, you're just looking for um, the position of those two vertebrae in relationship to the base of the skull. And like you said, seeing if it's a, if it's a, if it's asymmetr- asymmetrical, first of all, if there's a difference between left and right. And then if it's a, you said like a steep angle or a shallow angle. Right. Do you want to maybe elaborate yeah, on that? So what we're looking at specifically on the x-ray. So we do obviously a full history, a full exam. We spend an hour on the first visit and an hour on the second visit with a patient. So it's not just the x-rays. Of course, we're doing lots of different exams, neurological, orthopedic um, testing to determine if you're a good candidate for care. But the x-rays tell us to the exact degree if there is a misalignment and if the misalignment exists to what degree or angle it does exist. So on the x-ray, you can see and we show you the analysis and the markups and we say this is what normal or balance looks like. This is what you look like. And you can see, you know, the tilt and the rotation and Um, from a 3D perspective, how things should look and how balanced they should be and how the patient looks. And of course, our goal is, I joke, to get your head on straight. And we can show that we have a software called My Misalignment, and it um, actually shows you in an animation what your specific misalignment is and then how the adjustment helps balance and restore health to your body, your entire body. So it makes sense. I mean, we it, it's really important in our office that you don't just come in, get adjusted, and leave. We want you to know what we're finding, what our recommendations are based on those findings, and then how we're going to help. What does it look like time and money-wise to help you get to where you want to get and feel better and function better and live a better life and be able to play with your grandkids, be able to go to the ski hill, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there snow coming up? Yeah, I think snow. <laughs> <laughs> we have just lost a few listeners there. Yeah. <laughs> but I love snow too. I'm ready to snowboard. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. So is it fair to say um, that once you get your your clients to a certain level where they're in pretty good alignment and their symptoms have improved and they're feeling good, that at that point um, you're basically just going to tune them up every so often and just help them stay in alignment? And like you said, um, break down some things that might cause them to come back out of, out of alignment, you know, certain postures, obviously working in front of a computer or, you know, looking at your cell phone on all day, shame on you people. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, at that point, do people, are they able to just kind of maintain with an occasional checkup? Yes. That's what I love about what we do. Essentially, I want to work myself out of a job, right? That is the goal. And if we work ourselves out of a job, we can help more people. And, you know, we want to help as many people as we can. So typically our overarching goal, and it takes a little bit frequency wise of seeing people to get to this point, but once or twice a year is ideal. That's truly preventative wellness, just like the dentist. You go once or twice a year to make sure that your teeth are healthy, kind of get a tune up, get a cleaning and make sure that there's not early signs of a cavity that you may need to take care of before it becomes a toothache or an extraction or something severe. 
So same in our office. We want to make sure your spine is healthy, balanced, and that there's not signs of imbalance. And if there is, we want to correct it before it creates a symptom or a worse problem. Awesome. And then obviously if symptoms are re-emerging, people can get in and I mean, that that makes sense. Then just like the dentist, you get a toothache, you bust a tooth out, you don't wait six months or a year, you call your dentist right away and they get Mm -hmm. you in. And it's the same. Patients, we give you the ability to be your own best healthcare advocate and we teach you how to listen to your body and know what signs your body may be giving you to think or give you the inclination that you might have gone out of alignment. And then if that happens, call in right away and get checked. We usually see people much more frequently in the beginning. So don't get the idea that you might just be able to come in and just get seen once or twice a year. It's very case dependent. And we have to get your body stabilized before we can stretch out visits farther and farther. And so frequent checks in the beginning help us help your body I always say we want you spending more days in alignment than out of alignment because if we see you today and then we don't see you for seven days, you could go out of alignment tomorrow. Then you're only spending one day in alignment and six days out of alignment. So in our office, we see you more frequently, not that we need to do repetitive adjusting up and down just because you walk through the front door, but more because it's a monitoring of how well you're holding because when you're in alignment, healing starts or accelerates. If you revert back to that old imbalance position, healing wants to slow or stop. Yeah, I think that's a similar analogy I use for our patients, like in the PT world too. You know, you're going to have to spend, depending on the complexity, how long you've been dealing with the problems, the severity, you know, it might take you longer than someone who just who just started having a problem two days ago. Well, good for you for getting in so quick, which never happens. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, similar to you, we're trying to get you to a certain level and then and then you're in the maintenance phase. But to get there, it might take some extra time, effort, work, you know, more help from, you know, a chiropractor, a PT, whoever you're working with. And I think as long as we communicate that clearly to our clients and they know what to expect, then they're usually on board, especially if you are helping them get to a higher level of function, like you said, running or... That's why we don't call it maintenance. We call it performance. Performance. I like that. So they're in the performance and full expression of life phase of care. Awesome. Yeah. And I know prevention isn't like a real popular term, um, but to a large extent, I mean, if you look at any of these things and you say, well, there's a degenerative brain issue with you, like Alzheimer's. Well, is there anything you could do to like prevent it, to keep things really nice and smooth and clean? And, and like you said, your brain has waste products and um, your ability to get rid of them, you know? Um, which, uh, which might lead us into talking about sleep here at some point, because there's some interesting things regarding sleep and your brain's ability to kind of like cleanse itself and the glee lymphatic system. Exactly. It's got its own little system there. Like a sewage system essentially is the way I look at it or the way I've read about it. Like this is your sewage system. And if you only, if you only sleep five hours a night and allow that process to happen five hours versus the optimal eight, eight and a half, nine, like you just had a bunch of crap everywhere. You know? Yeah, literally. <laughs> and, and yeah, well, yep. and that's if you look at, um, especially Alzheimer's, you look at like, not to get too technical, like the Lewy body formation and stuff like, it's like, there's just this like junk and now it's building up and now you've got garbage in your streets and your streets should be clean, yep. you know, in order for things to kind of move around. And if the and garbage that. can't, if the garbage trucks can't get to their garbage dump because there's a block in the road, then 
they might be trying to do their job, but they can't get to their destination to actually get it out. Exactly. Right? So that's where the upper cervical chiropractic piece comes in. Yeah. Sleep's important to allow that process to happen. But if the garbage trucks can't leave the brain, where does the waste go? It, yeah. it still continues to build up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, just out of my own curiosity, because I've talked on the podcast before um, about how I have autoimmune issues. Um, and my specific one is rheumatoid arthritis, but there's tons of autoimmune conditions these days. And pretty much almost all of the neurodegenerative stuff is, you know, most of it is lumped into autoimmune. Not always, depending on who you talk to, but just from my own curiosity, are there specific studies about um, different types of autoimmune diseases and the, the CSF flow, the, um, the fluid flow? There is mostly off the top of my head, and I'm sure I could dig, uh, specifically around multiple sclerosis, tons of research, which is, an, you know, classified in an autoimmune. And again, linking back to we're kind of told once you have the placking, it's there. And there's not really much you can do about it besides try to slow the rate of degeneration with medications. Mm -hmm. Not a whole lot is talked about actually, you know, replenishing the health of your brain and reducing the plaques. And what we find in our office is that scans actually begin to improve. It's not just reducing the rate of change and the rate of how fast you're going to get worse and progress. It's actually reversing and going in the positive direction and that's life-changing and there's lots of research behind that i would have to get back to you on other specific you know autoimmune disorders i know within the upper cervical world research is key and we are flying research out all the time now in the medical world, it's tricky because you have to have double blind studies. And so most of our studies are case studies or case series, um, which I still think are valid and reliable depending on, you know, the quality of the study. Um, and it's worth, you know, worth looking into and reading, especially if you're being subject to one of those disorders, you know? Yeah. And I think like you said, um, some of these things are very difficult to study in, a, you know, like a double blind study because just getting like a homogenized group of people is almost impossible. It's impossible. Um, and a mock adjustment, to, you know, is in the chiropractic world, it's very tricky. It's like, how yeah. do you, you can give a placebo pill, but it's very difficult to give a placebo adjustment. Yeah. And so. Just in the wrong way, right? Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's ethical. Yeah. There's an ethical, <laughs> ethical dilemma right. at that point. Yeah. Well, one is interesting, like you mentioned a case study, um, which, you know, we have a lot of patients who have like, progressive MS. So like primary progressive, which essentially just means it's going to get worse. It won't vary. It won't go up and down. It will only get worse at any given rate. You know, it may accelerate, may slow down, but it will never get better. Like we know that. And so, you know, you get a patient who's had a brain MRI every two years, the last 20 years. And it's, pre I mean, I would, I would say that's really good evidence. You say, well, in the last 20 years, every scan is worse. And that's how it will usually be. And then all of a sudden this scan was maybe a little bit better or it wasn't worse. So again, it's a case study, but you could definitely glean something from that. And the patients do have scans. So it's not like we're not changing anything besides adjusting. It's, it's, it's a linear change in intervention in that moment, you know, and it happens over and over again. And so it's pretty clear evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to, hard to refute or, you know, deny. Yeah. 
That's it's interesting. When no, you no, have no. the objective studies, I mean, you got the MRIs. It's not like mm-hmm. it's not like you're just asking the patient, "Do you feel better?" <laughs> yeah, right. That's subjective. Yeah. I mean, we have objective change. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, and I think another common thread with a lot of those people with the degenerative brain diseases like MS or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's is that um, really high rates of insomnia with these folks. So again, going back to sleep and your brain's ability to kind of just regenerate and shuffle things around. And then of course, like you said, um, clean things out with the waste. Many of them have horrible insomnia and they, I mean, so they're not getting a lot of those benefits of sleep, which potentially, you know, are affecting those things too. Which from my perspective, it's connected, right? You have altered cerebral spinal fluid flow, likely altered blood flow. Your brain is not getting the normal fluid flow dynamics. And so you're having neurodegeneration, which also, if it can't get the waste out, you have altered sleep. From my perspective, when we're working with clients, the first thing they usually say, not change in symptoms, it's I had the best night's sleep I've had in years. It's like your body can finally heal. Like if you had a kink in your neck for years since a kid when you fell off the swing set and bonked your head and that fluid flow just has built up and built up and the fluid flow dynamics have been off, your body's never been able to fully heal 100% and take the necessary action it wants to. It's trying all the time. And then you finally unkink that hose and the body has the ability to heal. What, I mean, what, when you have an injury, what does your body want to do? It wants to sleep. It's like, I need to sleep because I know I have to heal just, and you can sleep for 15 hours in an acute injury situation. So same thing with these neurodegeneration or even just regular clients who come in with headaches, migraines, you know, neck pain, tingling and numbness down their arms. I mean, these symptoms, they, they don't say, oh, my numbness is gone or my headache has disappeared. They say, my sleep was so good. And I, that is like, I am so excited when I hear that because when people can get better sleep, I know that they're healing and the healing is, is might take for somebody four to six weeks for symptoms to reduce. It might take somebody years, but if they're sleeping and they're staying in alignment, their body is headed in the right direction. And then we just have to be patient and give them the other things, tools, eating well, moving well, sleeping well, thinking well, you know, all these other things that they can help facilitate their body's ability to heal. Yeah. That's a, that's great. I mean, I think you could probably build your entire business around, uh, you know, the marketing message of, do you have a hard time sleeping? And I mean, your two thirds of Spokane will raise their hand to that question. I would right. imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah. So something to think about. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. From our perspective, sleep is, I mean, the number of people who check the difficulty sleeping box is huge, but we also know that we have access to devices and EMF and, you know, all these waves going through our, our environment that are affecting our sleep. And we watch TV before we go to bed and we, you know, play video games to the middle of the night. And so we obviously know that chiropractic is a very important critical piece to the puzzle, but we also will say, Hey, maybe you should read a book instead of being on YouTube, stimulating your right brain, which is preventing you from getting into the REM sleep, you know? So health is multifaceted and we try to make sure we empower our patients to, to do everything that they can. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, 
the last thing I did, which actually I recorded the last episode yesterday, you know, so I could get it out of the way. I'm not very tech savvy, so I just have one episode at a time, get it off my device, and now I can do this one. And the last thing I talked about was the importance of sleep. And, you know, it'd be great if, if I could just tell people, oh, well, if, if you could sleep more, you would feel better. And like, oh, well, thanks, Luke. That's like really helpful <laughs> advice, right? Um, and the question is, well, how do I sleep better? And like you said, there's so many things that affect sleep. And obviously, upper cervical chiropractic can be one of those. Um, but yeah, if you have if you have poor sleep habits or sleep hygiene, as they kind of call it in that field where you're exposing yourself to lots of screen time, um, you know, you got the lights on at night, all these different things. There's several other things that come into play like caffeine and alcohol and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big puzzle for sleep. Like, like you said, it's multifaceted. So I'm glad you mentioned that. It's yeah, a I, fun think, one. <laughs> I think especially for people who are pretty good, they have good sleep hygiene. Those are the people who they still have terrible sleep and they're coming back and saying, I had the best night's sleep ever, you know? Yeah. And so, because we could adjust you all day long and if you're still having terrible sleep hygiene, you're still not going to sleep good. You know what yeah. I mean? But it might, like, be it might, might be better. It might be better. It might be better. It'll definitely be better. Yeah. <laughs> but it still might not be as good as you hope. <laughs> yeah, I got four whole hours last night. You're like, ooh, that's an improvement. Right. We better talk, Yeah. I think we've talked a lot about the different conditions. Um, I just want to throw out a couple more that you had mentioned when we talked before the show was that uh, it sounds like people can get upper cervical care even if they've had like a spinal surgery, like a neck surgery, so like a fusion or a disc replacement. I mean, obviously you guys are aware of the history. You x-ray it. It's still safe as long as you know which levels you're adjusting for yes, kind of care. Yes, and because we don't do any bending, twisting, or popping, we keep the spine very neutral. There's no contraindications to adjusting the post-op um, client, essentially. But yes, we take every precaution. We actually will study your previous imaging. We'll study your x-rays that you had done as long as you give us permission um, to do so and within the HIPAA guidelines. And we will look at your MRIs. That's one thing that I am very passionate about is advanced imaging. And I did the diplomate in the craniocervical junction. It's a three-year, 306-hour course. Once a month, we're flying to Chicago or around the country to learn from specialists. So I'm a I have a diplomate in the craniocervical junction, which uh, I'm the only one in the Pacific Northwest. Really, I think there's one other just recent graduate um, who's in Spokane or in Seattle. Sorry, um, but we're few and far between. So that advanced knowledge of the craniocervical junction is very valuable, I think, to our community. And I want people to be able to use me as a resource. And looking at images can be very empowering. For, I mean, the amount of patients I have who are like, I never really saw it. They just told me something's wrong. I have blah, 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 blah diagnosis, you know, sounds kind of bad, all these terms. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what that means? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so I can show you and we'll look at them and say, this is what it mean and this is where it's at and this is how we address it and we may need to co-manage with your neurosurgeon or your neurologist or your orthopedic specialist or your physical therapist you know um and that's very realistic and doable um but the but the yeah the advanced imaging and complex cases like surgical fusions where oftentimes they've been told to never go to a chiropractor i mean that's I get that a lot. Like I was told to never come to a chiropractor, you know, and, and I get that if you've had a fusion, you don't want to be doing a whole lot of rotation and quick, fast movements. And so again, with our different approach, it's not a contraindication. I mean, you are a 
um, definitely a good candidate for the type of care we provide. Disc replacements, even if you've had a traumatic brain injury, you know, severe whiplash. I have patients who have had skull fractures from severe traumas and things. So Mm -hmm. severe cases, you know, when you think maybe you don't want to go to a chiropractor, the, this is a good option for you or you've, or you're skeptical, you know, it's like you had a bad experience or you're afraid of the sound. We don't do that, you know? So just speak, if you have the, some symptoms that you think chiropractic might be able to help with, remember there's different techniques. And if you know you maybe need chiropractic, just like the dentist, you need a dentist. If you had a bad experience, you've heard of a bad experience, you would never not go to the dentist. You would just find a dentist that you trusted and, and made sense with you and got along with, right? You're a nice person, great personality, wonderful office. Like you feel comfortable there. Um, and you know that they're going to help you. And it's the same uh, that applies in chiropractic. I think we often say, oh, I had a bad experience or I heard of this terrible experience or something. I'm never going to a chiropractor. You know, it's like, well, um, maybe look into different specialties within chiropractic and see if one is right for you. Yeah. Excellent points. And I think one of the ones that I've heard most commonly over the last 10, 12 years is, well, I had a neck surgery. So, and they're very adamant, don't go to a chiropractor, you know, um, because yeah, you don't want to mess with that. And hopefully, right. I think even most conventional chiropractors, I mean, they know to look Take at caution. your neck and yeah, they're not going to do anything they don't think is is safe. And I mean, the amount of people that actually get hurt is, um, you know, ridiculously small, but everyone's hurt of something from somebody. Right. Yeah, we won't go into this today, but I mean, some of those stories are are stories that were put there by certain people for certain reasons, which if you've watched that documentary about the AMA (laughs) back in the seventies and, um, you know, teaching the doctors that chiropractors are evil and that, you know, they labeled you quacks. Yeah. Yeah. They had a committee on quackery. They had the quack packs and they were, um, litigated for that and found guilty and just kind of swept it under the rug and said, well, we had an agenda to push, which was pharmacology essentially. But again, we won't go into too many of these things today. Chiropractors (laughs) are in jail at that time. It was a very, yeah. Yeah, and I think the biggest threat from you back then was that you were doing natural medicine, which may be maybe leading people to not take so many drugs, which was a lot of money in drugs back then. And obviously there still is now. Yeah. A lot more now, actually. Yes. Um, yeah, so we won't That's go down that rabbit hole today. but <laughs> Help you yeah. function, feel, perform, live your 100% without the use in drugs and surgery. Very yeah. good. Very good. Okay, so... Um, we're probably getting a little long on time. So if you don't mind, uh, before we get into our, our fun closing questions, three or four or five tips just in general, people saying, well, hey, great, I'm not quite ready. I'm still a little skeptical. Or I need more information. What are some things I could do right now to take care of my neck and potentially feel a little bit better? Posture is key with devices between computers, iPads, cell phones. If you're having headaches, neck pain, tingling and numbness down the arms, you have, we call it anterior head carriage where your ears are in front of your shoulders. Maybe you have that dowager hump that people hate. They're like this big, ugly thing on the back of my neck, you know, like looks like a big hump. Um, That is often related to your posture and looking down for every inch forward our head goes, it adds 10 pounds to the head. So our head on average, 10 to 12 pounds. If your ears are over your shoulders, if you come just one inch forward, it's a 20 pound head and then a 30 pound head, two inches then a 40 pound head. So just bringing your head forward adds so much weight. And then think of your ligaments, the muscles, the spine, they're working quadruple time just to hold your head up against gravity. Gravity is heavy. You don't think about it, but it is. And so one of the things we constantly need to do is 
you know, I wish I could put a little fairy on everybody's shoulder that says, stand up straight, ears over your shoulders. Um, but we're very retracted. We, you know, we're looking, we're in our own zone. We're looking at our phone, our head is down and it's wreaking havoc on our spines. I see kids today. It's heartbreaking. The average cervical curve should be 25 to 30 degrees. The kids that I'm seeing have zero degrees of cervical curve and Again, the reason that's important is is tenfold, and that could be a whole nother podcast, but um, they're even going in the opposite direction because they're looking down so much. They're at school for way longer than we ever have been, and then we have homework, and we're looking down, and then what do we do on our free time? We look at those devices, we play video games, we're looking down constantly, so... Take a look at your horizon, look at the mountains, make sure your ergonomic workstation, your eyes should be level with the center of the computer screen. You should not be looking down for eight hours a day at devices. It's, I mean, text neck is a real thing. Sitting is the new smoking is a real thing. And the amount of detriment it is having on our health is a real thing. So stand tall, sit tall. Sounds good. Or just don't sit so much, right? <laughs> exactly. Sit stand stations are, we recommend and we give prescriptions, if you, for lack of a better word, for sit-stand stations to employers all the time. Awesome. Good, good. So that's one thing. Another easy one is sitting on the wallet. Men putting your wallet in your back pocket. It's like sitting on, especially if you've got a larger, you know, things are full in there. Um, it's like sitting your one side of your body an inch higher than the other. I mean, that just stresses your whole pelvis and spine. And so you're just wearing it out of balance. Huge contribution to low back pain. I mean, 85% of Americans, it's one of the highest reasons we miss work is because of low back pain. And highest reasons people are prescribed prescription meds is low back pain. And so don't sit on your wallet. And again, sitting up tall, keeping your ears over your shoulders, over your hips also contribute to reducing the low back pain. Um, And then in general, sleep. So when you're sitting, we want you to be as neutral as balanced and possible. When you're standing, as neutral and balanced as possible. And when you're sleeping. And when you're sleeping, your side and back are good. Stomach's a no-no. The main thing when we're on our back is that putting pillows. Oh, I sleep with two pillows behind my head. It's like, well, now your head is so pushed far forward that it's, again, straining your spine, your nervous system, the ability for your body to get waste out of the brain. We talked about the garbage trucks. It's like, if you sleep like that, you're literally just putting a kink in your hose on your own. <laughs> so if you think of it, you want you want that fluid flow dynamics. Think of your body as that fluid flow dynamics and it has to be balanced and upright and neutral. If you're putting your body in a twisted up position, especially like stomach sleeping, in order to sleep on your stomach, I've never seen somebody effectively sleep with their nose directly on the bed. In order to sleep on your stomach, you have to turn your head 90 degrees left or right. And that is putting a kink in your hose. Um, Blood flow, just in general, studies, not chiropractic related, just in general, when you turn your head 90 degrees to the left, your chin over your shoulder, it decreases the blood flow of the vertebral arteries, the main blood flow to the brain, by at least 30%, some people more. And that's just normal decrease in blood flow with normal range of motion. And then imagine sleeping that way. It's like, do you want blood and oxygen and nutrients to your brain? Try to be neutral and upright, you know, sleep on your side or your back. Okay. Yeah. Those are probably good enough tips for the average person to say, yeah, okay. We know we can make some positive changes there. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, good. Well, um, I think we've covered a lot of really good, you know, technical information about um, the neck and the spine and the the cerebral spinal fluid. Um, and if you can spell it, you know, you get some kind of a prize, I guess. So let's just go ahead and go into some of the more fun questions just to wrap things up. So are you all prepared for that? Heck yeah. Okay. So my first question for you, either your favorite book or just a good book you've read in general the last month or two or so. So one of the ones I've recently read is There is No Such Thing as Bad Weather by Linda McGurk. And the reason this is I'm passionate about is because I just had a little baby. She just turned a year in June. And so raising children, you know, anything I do, I want to do 100 percent and I want to research and learn as much as I can. And raising children is not does not get a pass on that mindset. And so. You know, the book is all about helping kids live their fullest expression of life. We want them to be healthy. We want them to be resilient and we want them to be confident. So the author is native Scandinavian trying to raise children in the American culture. And it's very difficult. She tells a story about how in the middle of winter, she's rocking her kids, um, one in a stroller and one in her hand, walking to school. And you know, a woman stops and says, are you guys okay? And makes the mom almost feel bad for subjecting her kid to winter weather. And she's like, no, we're just walking to school. It's, you know, even though it's below freezing, we're fine. We're enjoying the weather, you know? So I love that book. It talks about how babies in the skin and eating culture, it's common for them, or it's actually recommended by physicians for their children to nap infants. I mean, within the first few months, even napping outside in sub zero degree weather. I mean, they are sub freezing, you know, they will put them in a prom, they call them and let them sleep outdoors. And, and so I love their outlook on getting outside. And again, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. And so we, we are huge proponents of that. And we just took a hike up to, um, in the Selkirk mountain range overnight backpacking trip. We fished and ate dinner from the fish that we caught, um, on a fly rod, my husband and I, and, and some friends. And so we're trying to live that lifestyle. So that's, I'm passionate about, I would say my favorite book is a in the chiropractic world is Evolve Your Brain or what, what we've been talking about by Joe Dispenza. And he explains how you're not doomed by your genes and that even though you think you might be hardwired for MS or Alzheimer's, it runs in the family, whatever, you're not hardwired for the rest of your life. There's things you can do to influence your full expression and and that's empowering. And, and it, you know, my science mind wants to know the why and the science behind it. And he dives into that and it's cool. I actually have that book, No Such Thing as Bad Weather. Yeah, awesome. I read, it, I read it about a year or two ago. Um, just a little plug for our school. My kids go to a Waldorf school, yeah. which is the only Waldorf school in Spokane. And so that's kind of how, that's kind of like the whole mentality of the entire school, which for us is really important. And uh, yeah, I love that book. There's a whole chapter about like letting your kids play in the dirt, which we have a dirt pile at home. Like come right. play in the dirt. There's, exactly. There's like documented scientific benefits of playing in the dirt. Uh, anyways, you're not a bad parent. <laughs> no, I know you get some weird, you get some weird looks it's though. Crazy, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't buy nice clothing. Just buy weather appropriate clothing. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, cool. So, uh, question number two, then favorite food and or restaurant here in the, in Spokane. So my favorite food is any food that we've harvested on our own. We are big. Um, I grew up hunting and fishing and, 
um, harvesting the land. I mean, I grew up wheat farming, you know, and so I think when you're talking and we try to eat organic and healthy living and what a better way to do than hunt your own wild game. I mean, they have not been um, raised in a pasture where they, you know, this is a whole other ethical decision, but, or ethical conversation, but, um, I, I try to limit the amount of meat I eat from, you know, restaurants because of where they get their meat and hunting can also be, you know, a hot topic. Uh, but we work hard for the food that nourishes our bodies and it's true organic way of living and hunting and gathering is important to me. So I'm, I'm proud of that. And we eat, you know, elk, deer, bear, um, and, garden vegetables that's I do not have a green thumb so we get vegetables from other folks <laughs> eggs from other folks but I'm working on that aspect <laughs> nice well you've got a young kid at home too you can only do so many things yeah that's awesome so wild game that's great uh okay number three then how about a favorite activity in our area you kind of mentioned that you guys hunt and hike a lot um is that kind of where you're at or another activity you like that's don't, just don't say running, that's okay? just a way of life, okay. you know. Um, a favorite activity would just be in the sun. I mean, we have the the best seasons. So in the summer, I love being out on all of our rivers, lakes, water. So we do a lot of boating, surfing, water skiing. You know, anything to stay active and out on the water and having fun and getting our beautiful vitamin D. And then in the winter, we love skiing, snow skiing, and snowmobiling. My my husband's not so much on enjoying things that don't have a motor so so the snowmobiling is in there and and so we go high mountain my daughter actually is named avi avi and last a couple years ago we were doing avalanche training for our high mountain excursions and being prepared for any avalanche and in the avalanche world all your gear is called avi gear or avalanche sign is called avi sign or watch out for that avi danger and so you know, we were headed up to the mountains and we thought once you're expecting everything becomes a name <laughs> like Abby, Abby, Abby. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. It's not Ava. Stuck. It's not uh, Avi. No, nope, it's, it's Abby. All right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Something in our area that you really have been wanting to do, but haven't quite made it to yet. Pass. Pass. You've done it all. Everything I want to do. I've you know? Yeah. If I put my mind to something, it'll happen. Okay. So I could not, you stumped me on that one. There's nothing that, I, that Spokane has to offer. I mean, maybe zip lining. That is one thing that I haven't done. There's a couple zip line places around here. That would be fun. I want to say skydiving, but there's a part of me who doesn't want to skydive. So that yeah. would be outside, but I could say those. <laughs> awesome. Okay. We'll take it. Good, good. And then just to wrap things up, uh, what's the best way if people want to learn more about you? And um, we didn't even mention the name of your practice yet, which we'll put it in the <laughs> show, uh, Clear Chiropractic Spokane, yes. um, which you've got your, where we're at now is your South Hill location up on Southeast and what, 27th roughly? Yes. Uh, okay. So that's where that's where Dr. Bell is from. And we're um, opening a second location soon on the north side. Yeah. Pretty it's exciting. Works. Very exciting. It's not like you're busy or anything. No. Um, that's great. So uh, people want to learn more about you or talk to you. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So 
As far as the office phone is 509-315-8166. Our office website is clearchirospokane.com. So C-L-E-A-R-C-H-I-R-O-S-P-O-K-A-N-E.com. My email, I don't mind if people reach out personally to me. It's dr.bell at clearchiro.com. So dr.bell at clearchiro.com. And then we, of course, are on social media. So we've got our Facebook and our Instagram. Check us out. Uh, Our Facebook is Clear Chiropractic Spokane. And our Instagram is Clear Cairo Spokane. Awesome. And I'll put all the links in the, uh, to the website and to your social media and in into the, in the um, show notes and your email awesome. too. So. That'd be cool. And for anybody who wants, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm happy to do a free 15 minute consultation. It doesn't include exam, um, all the neurological and orthopedic testing that takes much longer than 15 minutes. But if you have questions, concerns, ideas, if you just want to know if it feels right to be in our space and if we can help, um, I'm happy to do a free 15 minute consultation if you're listening to the podcast and you feel inclined. Awesome. That's great. I think you mentioned earlier that like some people are skeptical and I was, I was, you know, tempted to jump in and say everyone's skeptical, right? Everyone is skeptical about just about everything. You know, especially when it comes to their health and maybe, I think people are afraid to make a bad decision sometimes too. Oh, well you make a bad decision and people are going to be like, well, I told you so. It's like, well, okay. But those are the same people who are kind of stuck in a rut too, usually. So let's not take, you know, take advice from people you want to be like, I guess, uh, (laughs) not from people who are the naysayers, but yeah. In our office, I mean, we take most major insurances. We provide payment options. I mean, we really are here to help you and we want to do everything we can, um, to, to help you feel comfortable and open the door to a new life essentially awesome well great well like i said i'll put all that stuff in the show notes so people um if they didn't have a chance to jot it down they can just access it there and uh thank you so much for joining me thanks for having me it was wonderful yeah a lot of good information and um, i think it fits nicely in with the show um again where we're just the idea is just to bring people good information about how they can stay healthy and active. And like you mentioned, there's so many things to enjoy around our area. Even if you like to complain about the snow, which, you know, people do, uh, there's just so much to take advantage of as long as you can take care of yourself. So those people probably aren't wearing the appropriate attire, right? Yeah. Although, you know, (laughs) different podcast episode, but, um, I just read a book called what doesn't kill you. And it's about, um, the Wim Hof method. I don't know if you've heard of this guy from Holland and he basically says the problem with the cold weather is that no one ever gets used to it because they're putting on so much gear. Yes. So whereas, you know, most of the time we're saying, especially with our kids, put on the appropriate gear. He would actually say the exact opposite. He would say, instead of always putting on gear every time you're cold, get used to it. So go outside when it's freezing cold, you know, with your shirt off type thing. So again, I don't want to go. I like it and I agree. And then there's a certain extent. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously there's a smart way to do that and a not so smart way to do that. But yeah, very, very fascinating. If you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. I could probably do a whole podcast just on that book. The book was just, a friend of mine gave it to me. He's a financial advisor and I just had coffee with him the other day and it's just like, the book was phenomenal. And it's just like, it. oh, okay, because I'm, I'm always cold in the winter and I'm the first one ah, to put on long johns. Right. And I'm like, okay, no, 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 we're not doing that this year. 
Um, but I have two kids and it's touchy and, right. you know, I have a spouse and you got to run these things by the better half and get some buy-in. But yeah. I know we're trying to wrap up, but I ski and we went to Whitefish, Montana skiing and I met a gal at the top in shorts and a tank top. And I said, why are you doing this? And she said, I have thyroid issues and I am doing cold training to reestablish and reset my thyroid. And it, she started by wearing light clothing and going to the top. And then by the end she was literally in a tank top and shorts and I'm all bundled up freezing, you know, and it's a winter storm at the top of the mountain and she's just chilling, drinking a beer at the top lodge in her shorts and, you know, tank top. It was so cool. So yeah, totally agree. And the thing is with that is that she's not cold, right? She's not just toughing it out. It's not a mind trick. It's not like, well, I just cut you with a knife. It's like, you're not just trying not to feel the pain. Like she's literally not cold. Yeah. Her body's temperature is regulating appropriately. Fascinating. Okay. So we'll talk about that some other time. (laughs) (laughs) Next. (laughs) Next time on Sailthies Bookcam. Yes. Well, good. Well, um, again, thank you for being with me. And um, for those 10 people listening, or maybe we're up to like- Thousands. Yeah. Come on. Someday. Millions of people need to hear this. Exactly. The beauty of technology is at some point there may be more people listening. But if you are listening, thank you. And um, always appreciate your feedback. So I always put my email in the show notes too. If you have ideas or feedback or people you think would be a good fit for the show, certainly love to hear from you. So that's it for now. Thanks again. Thank you. And we will talk to you next time. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Stay Healthy Spokane podcast sponsored by Gordon Physical Therapy. To stay connected with the Stay Healthy Spokane community, visit www.stayhealthyspokane.com. And we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy Spokane podcast.